Welcome to the Totally Scottish Football Show. I'm Andrew Slavin and Rangers are top of the league while Celtic win yet another trophy. Wait, just wait and stay with us because there's still so much to talk about in Scottish football this week. Like referees, there's there's always referees. Floodlights failed at Rugby Park but Kilmarnock have the wolf and he's powered by moonlight. Stephen Dobby and Lauren Shanklin continue the greatest goal scoring duel since Ronaldo and Messi. Partick Thistle were kidnapped by the SAS, plus hear how Motherwell's preparations weren't helped by a cheeky Siggy at Livy. Later on we'll be getting the down low from Dingwall as Ross County try to get back to the top tier. Alongside me in the studio, from Coppa 90, it's Laura Brannan. Hello Laura. Hello. Listen, we were all getting excited at the weekend about a nice big Scottish final. Um, but you were getting pumped up for something else at the weekend. <laughs> yes, <laughs> on Sunday morning, I sat myself down to watch none other than the exciting Euro 2020 draw. Yeah, pretty exciting, right? It was exciting. I, this is what I geek out over. So you sit down, you get ready and it's so tense, getting all the teams drawn out. Can we go into that group? Can we go into that one? Who are we going to get? So it's, always, we- it's always a big hoo-ha when you oh, yeah. involved. Like get involved they made in out it was going to be really complicated. It wasn't. It was so straightforward. Mm. The computer did it for us. Not for it Ireland. Was fine. Well, <laughs> <laughs> for once, we are not in the group of death. It's great. So who who have we got? So we've got Belgium. Not particularly great, yep. considering they annihilated us recently. Mm-hmm. Russia, Cyprus, mm-hmm. Kazakhstan, and San Marino. I would take that group though. I'm quite happy with it. And that's Group I. Group I. I. <laughs> I. <laughs> I it is. Um, joining us as well, we've got JJ Bull from The Telegraph. Hello. <laughs> it's me. Back again. <laughs> um, it was obviously a big week, but um, we'll talk about Hamden very soon. But we should talk about your Aberdeen Cup final song. Yeah. Uh, you debuted it last week. Yeah. Um, it did quite well. It was great. Should we get a little uh, reminder? Graham Shinney has the power of a seagull, yeah. A mighty bird, half man, half gull. And when he makes a tackle, well, he takes his man to get a yellow card so he can build his nest. And on the pitch, Shinney will make us win. And we sing the song that every seagull loves to sing. We've got McInnes and you don't you think we'll lose, we maybe won't Cos we've got Graham Shinney It was stuck in my head all week and it was genuinely, it got a little bit annoying I was on the TV I know, I saw you, yeah. I saw you, you looked, I think, did you have a haircut? Well, I mean, I have had a haircut several in my time was that, was wasn't that... it on purpose to go on TV No, no, I just went in and I was talking about the Graham Shinney song it was an amazing response it got, and I hope some mm. people have uh, listened to it. And I mean, tens of thousands of people have. Yeah. But one person in particular has heard it, and that's Graham Shinney. Amazing. Amazing. What did he say? Do you want to know what he said? I'll tell you. It's quite funny. Did he send you a message or anything? Did he get in touch? Or? No, no. Well, Joe Lewis, the goalkeeper, said that he was disappointed not to be included, but actually he was, so you're wrong, Joe. Mm-hmm. But Graham Shinney said, so I woke up to my daughter... Uh, saying to a half man, half seagull, <laughs> my little one loves it, but she's about the only one. <laughs> it's uh, yeah, but I'm glad he's uh, doesn't hate it. But it did really well. It was on radio. It was on, it was on yeah, all that's, of radio that's awesome. Yeah, I heard you on um, Sports Sound and everything. I'm very pleased with it. I feel like I follow you everywhere. A more high profile release this week, perhaps, was Memphis Depay's rap. 
celebrating the fact that he's got 5 million Instagram followers. 5 million talking followers. The new deal's gonna follow up. Call my agent, told him double up. The price real, we don't talk a lot. I bet his free still going viral. They be asking who's my idol. Well, really got no idol. Cause the world messy, no light. He wears hats as well. He does, he likes hats, as does Laura. Laura's wearing a hat right now. When I've had a bad hair day. <laughs> um, from the moment that was released, basically, the whole world, the whole world was asking the same question that I'm about to ask. What will Motherwell defender Charles Dunn have to say about this? I'm a football rapper from Motherwell. Bought this jacket in a Primark cell. One year, two finals. Aki's fans, they're in denial. Don't play my football in France, but yo, Memphis. At least I can dance. You can keep your diamond rolly, yo. I got my £10 Cassie, yo. Yeah, the answer was he released his own rap. Uh, Laura, you've, you've done a lot of work around Motherwell. You must know Charles. Um, do you know him as Chili D? <laughs> I was going to say, I don't know Charles. I only know Chili D. Oh, right. Okay, wow. No, I think this was absolutely quality from the, the Motherwell Media team. Some of the lyrics in it, they've done very well to write that rap very quickly. And this is sort of what they're, they're good at. There's something very valuable in being able to just take a vital moment, be it a goal that's happened or a celebration that's going viral, mm. and really making something of it. And it's it's not quite breaking the news, it's making the news. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And they're kind of replicating it, doing their version. It's cheeky, mm. It's it's funny. And we've seen it before in the past with them, with the Peter Hartley video when he signed his contract extension and they did the rip-off of the Sanchez. Alexis Sanchez. Sanchez, yeah, yeah. the I like piano. That, like that, that was brilliant. And it was a good enough time in between both to not make Motherwell just the club who rips off yeah, viral videos. Yeah. Um, but this was another one that was just a success for them. Very funny. It's been talked about everywhere. Radio 1 went big on it as well. Mm. I mean, they had Grimmy talking about it, <laughs> um, giving his take, and he chose Chili D as a better one. I, just I agree. It is better. Yeah. And to have somebody stand there with a Primark jacket on in front of the M&D's <laughs> um, Ferris wheel, it's, it's class from the, the media team to organise it. Take that, Memphis to pie. <laughs> just needs a bit more seagulls. The treble treble is still on for Brendan Rodgers. Ryan Christie with the only goal of the game in first half stoppage time at Hamden as Celtic beat Aberdeen 1-0 to secure the Betfred Cup, their seventh successive domestic trophy. JJ, it had to be Ryan Christie. You've been loving his stuff for quite a while now. He was on loan at Aberdeen last season. He was great at Aberdeen, yeah. But couldn't play in previous finals. That's correct, because he was a Celtic employee. Mm. Uh, yeah, he scored the winner in injury time. Injury time, of course, caused by Gary McKay Stephen having his skull caved in mm. by a header, which could very well actually be a penalty from Bayata because he's nowhere near the ball. Uh, I don't know if I'd agree with that. I think the the, the ball's there to be won, really. But McKay he has Stephen not won gets it. to. <laughs> I can say this no. at the time as well. He Gary McKay Stephen got the ball. I know he was fouled. I know, so why so... is that a foul? I, I can see why it's not a penalty, right? Because it's a coming together, so it's a, a header. You're both going for it, but. It, regardless of how injured GMS was, uh, you could equally argue it could be the penalty. Anyway, regardless of that, uh, I thought this game was absolutely brilliant to watch. I thought Aberdeen set up perfectly. They did as much as they possibly could have done. The luck didn't stay with them, didn't have the magic to get mm-hmm. through. 
and Celtic just had the better team. I think, I, think, I think up until that point with Gary Mackay Stephen, it was a really good um, spectacle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Really good, like, it, kind of end to end. Although Aberdeen were limited in their real chances on goal, I don't think they really had many. But up until that point, you were like, Aberdeen are in this. It was disappointing as well that the goal came so soon after the clash. Yeah. Because for myself watching it, it kind of took the sting out of it for me. I kind of felt like, right, I'm not comfortable watching this. It's Is he okay? I mean, he was stone cold. It's he was out horrible, of it wasn't it? Yeah. Fell. It was similar to that Glenn Murray in the Premier League when they played Newcastle. That's who it was. And it was an aerial challenge. He went out very, very similar. Yeah. Um, as soon as he touched the ground, he was out cold. Mm. Yeah. And there was no movement from him. You couldn't, there was no close ups from the TV cameras. You're kind of thinking, is, is he is he conscious? Is he alive? The worst part was and the reaction of the players around him. Yeah, because they, they you could see the panic in their face. Mm-hmm. Vim thought- especially. I mean, you could see him shouting and swearing at the medical team because they were coming on so slowly mm. so if I'm watching that as a fan and I'm quite shaken by that what are the players thinking what's going through the Aberdeen players minds at that point because they're clearly going to be shaken right up until they're in the dressing room at half time and by that point they're 1-0 down and that that changes things so it was disappointing that the winning goal came at that point mm, Yeah, that goal came from the first time and the last time pretty much in the, the game outside of the last 5 minutes 10 minutes they're chasing it where Aberdeen lost their defensive shape so it was a back 4 um, with two holding midfielders, you had Don Ball and Shinny in there. Ferguson was a 10, but he dropped back into midfield to give a block. Then you had GMS wide left and McGinn on the right. Cosgrove is more of a outball than anything else. He doesn't know how to score, really. He's a lump, wasn't he? He's just like a big telegraph pole you can hit a ball to. He's fine. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, Don Ball was amazing, by the way. I've, I've been harsh of him in the past. He was superb. Max Lowe was excellent. Max, Max Lowe as well, well yeah. Um, we'll move into Celtic in a bit, but... Uh, that shape there so Logan was level with the left back and he shouldn't have been and the two centre backs were forward so it made this weird uh, line it should never have been Christie ran Shinny had to track him but uh, Christie's faster got ahead and then got to the second ball after uh, Lewis saved it we should talk about Andrew Dallas yes should we the referee should we talk um, about Andrew we've, Dallas we've actually, Dallas we've actually to be fair to, to give ourselves some credit <laughs> we haven't spoken about referees for a while um, but I think there's a few this weekend um, that didn't do themselves justice. Andrew Dallas being one of them gave Celtic a penalty for what was never a penalty. It was, it was he, he judged it. He judged it as a handball from Dominic Ball. Um, JJ, without your tinfoil hat on, <laughs> please give us your. <laughs> As a journalist, I'm always neutral. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, however, it is impossible not to have an opinion on. I mean, that is. It's a, it's a. How has he been allowed to referee a final? That's what he thinks. And the worst part. I mean, there's so many bad parts. First of all, it's a final. You can't make this, this mistake, right? So that's annoying, first of all. Secondly, everyone knows it's outside the box. Third of all, whether it's a handball or not is... Uh, I can it's, see it's, not, given... it's not a handball. Right, it's but I can see why he'd give that, why you think that. He but heads it's outside the box! He heads it onto his hand, therefore it's accidental. It's not a handball. And his arm is out, but he's fallen to the ground. No, but it's, it's, even if his arm's out, it's not. Right, but then the worst part of that is that Shinny goes up to him and says... Uh, that's not a penalty. You must be able to see that. And he goes, actually, it is. I think you'll see the replay back. You'll see it's a penalty. Does he say... Do you, yeah. Are you a lip reader? No, that's what... Shouldn't he said that in the paper? Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. So that's quite impressive. Oh. No, but my dad, who is the most blinkered Celtic fan, stubborn man when it comes to watching his team play, even he admitted it wasn't a penalty yeah. and was calling for VAR to be brought into cup finals. I mean, it got to about 70, 80 minutes and I turned around and I said, I've seen Andrew Dallas more than any other person that's on this pitch right now mm. over the course of the game. I should not be able to see the referee over the course of a full game more than anyone else. There's times where games go by and I go, who was that ref? 
the amount of things that he was popping up for. He, he wasn't letting the game flow. He was calling for everything. It was calling everything by every little niggly push I thought or he was shove. missing more than he was giving as well. Oh. There was loads of bits and pieces. Regardless of that, I mean, that was the big decision, right? And it's... Um, it's so lucky for him and probably his future career that that didn't settle the game because Lewis saved it. So now we're not talking quite so much as we would be if that had made it 2 0 and the game was over. Yeah, Scott Sinclair missed the penalty. It was a great save by Joe Lewis. Excellent. He came off his line early, but that always happens the penalties. Celtic just could sit hitting the break. I mean, they've got really good players going forward. I'm trying to think of the standout was. I thought McGregor was excellent throughout. Maybe they were surprised by how well Aberdeen did. What I thought was interesting so these figures came out during the week. Um, to do with, with how much the two teams are and when you see it written down you see what they're up against so <clears throat> the better players will usually win or they'll always win over a league campaign but in a one-off game there's always a chance especially a cup final so you can never rule it out but uh, Celtic's average annual wage per player is £865,000 per yeah. player yeah. Aberdeen's is 138,000, right? Yeah. And you see it on the bench. So when Aberdeen were 1 0 down chasing the game, you had to put, well, GMS came off and a young player, Connor McLennan, came on. He did excellent on the, excellent Lee, that's a hate, <laughs> excellent Lee on the left wing. Loaded nice little skill to go past people and take on his man. He was winning his one on one battles, perfect. But then later on, you had um, James Wilson came on, who was less of an attacking threat than the, the guy who he ran on the pitch as a, at the end of the game. Mm-hmm. And then you had uh, Bruce Anderson, youngster, best natural finisher probably at the club, but he's, he's young, he's raw. Whereas Celtic sent on ex Scotland captain Scott Brown. Yeah. They had Johnny Hayes, who would be the first pick in that Aberdeen team, sat on the bench. You're echoing exactly what Derek McInnes said in his interview after the game, was that ultimately Celtic have the better players, they have the better squad, and that's just what showed at the end. But Aberdeen had a game plan that looked as if it was working, but it was that bit of quality from Ryan Christie that won Celtic I, the I Cup. I don't think this is a good enough excuse, though, to say, oh, well, you know what, Aberdeen lost because Celtic have got better players. Oh, they earn more at the end of the week. I'm sorry, but Aberdeen have shouted their mouths off about being the second-best team in Scotland for quite a few years now, and they're not. They haven't done enough. They weren't. They literally were the last four years. Yeah, because they finished second in the table. But yeah, that's what that means. But they can't do anything to actually challenge Celtic. Of course not. I've just told you the numbers. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we had this debate a few weeks ago when I said it was a foregone conclusion Celtic were going to lift the trophy at full time. And to be honest, I didn't see anything else coming. Well, despite well, lot, Aberdeen's lot, dream like, plan. Look at, it, look at it in context, right? So Leicester's the only team comparable in this thing. And that was a sporting miracle. That it'll never happen again, I'd imagine, right? So th- that... That's bill. what Leicester fans may be said. Comparable. It's maybe comparable the way they did that. But look at their team they had. They had Canty who won the World Cup. They had Mares, who's but one of the best not, players in the Premier League. They I'm had not, Vardy, who played for England. Aberdeen don't have players anywhere near that. Guys, 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 listen. Let's, 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 let's cut through this. Let's <laughs> cut through this. Because if you're talking about miracles, it's actually a miracle that Ryan Christie has now got an amazing career at Celtic on his doorstep, isn't I, it? I, I he's been excellent true. since he's came in. I think we should give him his credit. Well, th- well... I, I think miracle. I was kind of just trying to point on <laughs> your, what you're trying to link like a pro. I yeah, see through you. Trying to be a pro, really semi-pro. <laughs> a few years back, maybe under Neil Lennon and before, it used to be a case of when players went out on loan, it was code for your time's up, get out, sell yourself, and then move on. To or else we club. bought too many of you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and you kind of took the hint of right. This this guy, this player's not going to come back. Whereas since those days, maybe under Ronnie Dialis, kind of saw it with Ayer. And then it started more under Brendan Rodgers that players who did go out came back and actually made a career for themselves. And it's really quite refreshing to see this now. Yeah, Ayer went to Kilmarnock, didn't he? Yeah. A couple mm-hmm. of years ago. And, and I remember seeing it at the time, 
because you, you, you didn't see it at that point. I think maybe Kel McGregor was an exception at, at that point in time. And even he hadn't quite made it into the first team at that stage mm-hmm. as a regular. And I remember when Ayer went out, I was quite flippant about it. Oh, well, that's it. He's gone. And he proved me wrong. And then you've seen it with McGregor and you've seen it with a few other young players and then the likes of Christie coming back. I think it's a great story for him. Absolutely. I mean, the, he came off the bench in the semi-final against Hearts. Since then, he scored five goals in his last eight games for Celtic. He's super for Scotland and, as well. And two wins. Two wins playing for Scotland. But he's clearly a good player and he suits exactly the way Celtic play. A- attacking, aggressive kind of football. It's exactly the kind of thing that suits a player who's creative like that. And it's been a great week for Celtic as a whole as well. They won at Rosenberg last Thursday, which means they only need a point at home against Red Bull Salzburg. Um, in two weeks' time to get to the last 32 of the Europa League. VAR could be coming to Scotland in that case. Now that they've announced they're going to introduce it for the knockout stages, would be quite interesting to see it. That would be very interesting. Just on a side point, have you seen this thing about Europa League 2? I have. <laughs> <laughs> yeah! <laughs> Europa League 2. Bring to, to back make the it, Cup Winners' Cup! To make it still sound equally as important I mean it's taken this long to make the Europa League exciting now we're trying to make Europa League 2 aye the full name for it is Europa League 2 Electric Boogaloo (laughs) yes you're listening to the Totally Scottish Football Show with Andrew Slaven Stephen Gerrard's first ever trip to Tyne Castle was a memorable one as Rangers came from behind to beat Hearts 2-1 and go top of the Premiership for the first time in his tenure For the second time in four days, Rangers managed to hang on with 10 men and get the job done. Alfredo Morelos equaling the Premiership record of scoring in seven consecutive games. Do you know who held that record? No. Can we guess? Yeah. Yes. Go on, Laura. Um, I would guess between two. Uh, Really recently, I'd say James Forrest. And earlier than that, I'd maybe say Chris Boyd. Tom Rogic? No. David Clarkson for oh, yeah. Dundee in 2014. What? Yeah. Wow. Remember him? We could have been here all day. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad you ended up there. That's like a Shakespeare uh, monkey's writing it on a typewriter type situation. <laughs> Craig Levine was absolutely furious with Bobby Madden. Um, another problem with referees again making their name, unfortunately. In the Scottish uh, Premiership. Always. Yeah. Um, yeah, Morelos' goal was clearly offside wasn't it yeah it's a it's the most obvious <laughs> it's the worst decision of the entire weekend more worse than Dominic <laughs> <laughs> right well one was in the cup final so that's why it's worse this one is shocking if yeah, this not... one won a game for them this one actually changed the course of the game yeah. <laughs> and also it's from a dead ball so he's standing level <laughs> the linesman is is on the line he can see the line yeah. at the best possible point point. and I'll quote producer Charlie who says earlier that the only only way he could have got that wrong is by not paying attention and thinking of something else like he's thinking about his dinner later on something like that yeah, yeah if he left the stove on or you can't get that wrong because that's crucial and there are three of them offside not just Morelos yep. by the way yeah. three of them yep. so whoever goes to is also and it's again it's not even a difficult one that is easy that's a that's like not being able to control the ball with the first touch of your mm. footballer mm-hmm. that you have to be able to do that um, very easy for me to say not being a linesman Listen, do, that's you, it. do you think um, so Hearts took the lead and Hearts looked good for it as well they were at them from the start oh, it was man. so aggressive and tense it was awesome it was yeah. a great game to watch absolutely brilliant because up, in, I think I think that goal almost went against them in a way because although it was actually I don't think it would have went in I don't think there was a, a Hearts player that could have got on the end of it I think Stephen McLean was closest to it it comes off uh, Gareth McCauley 
once they scored that goal, it seemed to galvanise Rangers, really. I don't think Hearts changed too much tactically after the goal, but... I mean, obviously, when, once the actual goal did go in... Connor Goldson bundled it over, really, didn't he? Yeah, yeah and the, uh, I wonder whether it's Lamalm should maybe... But the thing is, he's he's reacting to the, the initial kind of yeah. shot, which Goldson, I didn't think, knew much about it either. And so you can't react that quickly and clear the ball somewhere. It's so congested in the box. Yeah, yeah, for sure, yeah. A bit of a, ram, a, bit of a pinball. Um, and then, of course, the second goal is from a set piece. It should never have been allowed to stand. And then Rangers just managed to see out the rest of the game, even with 10 men. Should we talk about the Although, red cards? in saying they had 10 men, Hearts went down to 10 when they put Dicamona on. <laughs> oh my God, yeah. The first thing he did was clatter into his own player or something like that, wasn't it? Do you remember we were talking about him last week and we said how he seems to be good at reading play and getting heading it away, but playing out from the back, no way. Because mm. he was giving the ball away all the, single, all the time last week when they lost. The same thing happened. He was just giving the ball, and he could tell he knew what he was doing. He was going, "Ah, why would I keep doing this?" Just one of those days where nothing goes right for you. But yeah, let's talk about that uh, red card. What do you think of that? Yeah, the Scott Arfield red card. <laughs> Lord what, just goes like, Whoa. "What? What was he thinking?" It's, it's actually kind of amazing because yeah. you watch it and you are like, "Why? What exactly? Why?" Because he was never going to achieve anything no. out of that if other than a got, fight. Yeah, if he got the ball. It still wasn't going to be a goal. If he'd knocked it out of his arms, his hands, it still would not have been a goal. And he is going in there. It looks like with the intention to hurt him. It's just reckless. It's clumsy. It's stupid. It's a terrible decision from him in the heat of the moment. He's never going to achieve anything for him. I'd like to. I'd like to give him some benefit of the doubt that he was going for the ball to try and knock it over. But it's very difficult, and I take your point. It's just very difficult when you realise the time that Zlamal had both hands on the ball. It's a second, but I mean, you know from experience, slide tackling on a pitch. When you slide in like that, you know when you can pull out. And he doesn't go in with the studs, he, he does kind of pull out a wee bit at the end, but he's already going down when he's got the hand on it. Uh, I don't want to think he wants to injure him, but he's a very competitive player, Arfield. Sure. And that's the kind of competitiveness that... I, that makes players professional sportsmen. You've got to be a bit mental to be a professional sportsman, I think. And that's the kind of thing that he's gone in with there. I mean, I, I can never understand the mentality. Playing Sunday league, you see yeah, it, people going yeah. hard straight away. Yeah. I, it puts me off playing, I hate it, but that's do, what people do and they win. I don't want to say that he's deliberately went to hurt me. He hasn't, that's not what I'm implying here. But the mentality of, I'm going to slide in, even if he had one hand on the ball at the time and he had somehow managed to knock that out and into the net, it still wouldn't have stood. And that's why... He knew what he was doing. A, a it's, bit. Yeah. it's crazy because he was never going to do, get anything from do it. Do Rangers have a discipline problem? You know, that's seven red cards this season for Rangers. I mean, so the, the backlash of seeing stuff like that is scary in itself because if you've been on the internet, this is the kind of thing people go, no, they're not. But they clearly have a problem with uh, getting sent off. And it's not for like it's not like the referees are uh, doing things that are conspiratorial because you've got people like Morelos kicking folk off the ball and getting away with it. And by the way, the referee in this one, uh, Morelos was called offside. An offside decision is probably as bad as the one that stood for Rangers. Morelos would have been clean through on goal, and he was about five yards on, and he got called off. So Ra- just to put that in context, but Rangers fans <laughs> would argue that Morelos. Just to bring you back to that incident you're talking about, Rangers fans would argue he didn't get away with it because he did get a red card. Well, true. But then it's rescinded, and that's a whole other thing, right? We don't do that again, <laughs> again, again, again. But this is the this is the thing. So, I mean, I remember when Arsene Wenger came to Arsenal and they kept getting players sent off years and years and years ago. And it became an issue of discipline. But it's mm. the players. But to have that 
competitive, aggressive drive to win yeah. the games they need to have. They need to cultivate that mentality, I, but within reason. <laughs> I would argue there is a, there is an element of that. It's that competitive drive and kind of the grit and the arrogance that Stephen Gerrard wants about his team. And he's yeah. already said he likes that about Morelos, especially. Yes, OK, Morelos has got that side of his game, which is not as great when you see him diving and moaning and having a tantrum on the pitch. But this sort of aggression going into tackles that's what Gerard wants and okay it's not going to pay off every single time so you are going to get punished for it when it goes wrong but on the other hand every time they've had a player sent off this season they've still not lost the game mm. so he's still driving through that mentality of I want this sort of aggression for the team but at the same time he's leading them to a victory or to not lose the game that's four league defeats in a row now for Hearts they've went from first to fourth in that time but they got Christoph Bear back. He's very good. But they did lose Jimmy Dunn. Yeah, uh, but Bear was a, a massive improvement on everything they've got. They threw him in. He commands that so. back line. Yeah. Everything gets punted oh, away. Just... Up against Morelos. That was a great battle. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, that was so tasty. If they can, if Bear's that's better back now, then that's a big part of their problems answered. Do you think? Do you think you'll go back into the Scotland squad? Bear, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, he makes everyone around him a bit better. Yeah. Um, I think even Scotland, you've got to play. I think you've got to play McKenna these days. He's looked so McKenna so and Berra would be tasty. Yeah, it'd be a good yeah. partnership there. But I also like John Suter when he comes back. I love mm-hmm. the way he plays. Mm-hmm. Berra, it will be a massive, massive boost for Hearts. The way he makes everyone around him better, the way he leads, that kind of stuff. You, you can feel it on the pitch when you play with players like him. Uh, I mean, at very amateur level, but you can tell that those guys make a difference to your team, and the rest of the boys at Hearts will surely feel a huge improvement. Uh. The floodlights were more likely to deny Kilmarnock victory than Hibs on Saturday. They failed twice, but Kelly scored thrice as Hibs succumbed to a six-game in a row without victory. We're joined now by Gav from the Hibs Talk podcast. Gav, you were second in the table when you beat Hamilton 6-0 two months ago. Since then, no wins in six, and you're eighth in the table. What's going on? Part of the issue's been... Um, you know, with the scheduling, uh, Lennon's moaned about a lot. There's, we've gone, we've had a game and then gone ten days without a game and stuff. We've had players coming back from injuries. It's hard for players to kind of, you know, get back into the swing of things if they've not getting matches back to back to kind of get going. And then the crazy thing is, we've now got eight games between now and the end of the, season, uh, the end of the year, which is what three weeks or something. So it's pretty, pretty nuts. But I think it's just I think Lenny's been tinkering with the team too much I'd say uh, the defence Effie's played a lot of games but then besides him he's had Portress he's had Hanlon he's had McGregor he's had a back three and a combination of them so it's just been quite crazy how much it's all been changing and we've been leaking goals too easily really we get um, <laughs> moaned at a lot for bringing up his name too much but I think one of the things about Camberry and McLaren was as well as obviously McGinn and McGill, they had Scott Allen sitting behind them in that number 10 role, sort of playing all the lovely through balls to them and setting them up and getting loads of assists, whereas we don't have him at the moment. So um, I think we need him or somebody like him in January to get the um, proper service to the strikers again. It was a weird shape against Killy. I know, because he's normally kind of like a 5-2, <laughs> yeah. but he had uh, Ambrose playing like centre mid next to, to Milligan, so it was like a 3-2-3-2. It was like a three, two, three, two. And uh, <laughs> and Kelly didn't really. I, I mean, that's quite. It's either very advanced and new, or it's <laughs> harking back to inverting the pyramid days of the kind of master uh, old history <laughs> tactics. But it it felt like watching the game. Um, 
Killy was just able to play through. Killy seemed very much more organised and their positioning looked good. They were far better off the ball as well. I don't know if it's... Do you think yeah. it maybe something to do with confidence? Do you think Lennon, like you said, they're maybe trying to do too much? But is the, the, the team doesn't seem to pick itself at the moment, right? Oh, Lennon still doesn't know it's their strongest team. And yeah. and like I said, it was, it was a strange uh, selection. I think, you know, obviously Milligan's been a midfielder for us, but he's a centre-back for Australia. So it was seven defenders that we had. And then, <laughs> uh, so out, out from your 10 outfield players, seven defenders plus Malin, uh, Boyle and Canberry. So it's, it was a strange selection. And then seven defenders and we still conceded the Eagles. So... Uh, <laughs> But I think we do need, you know, a settled team that we play for, you know, especially with the, the difficult games coming up. I really felt we should have said, right, this is our team for the next, barring injuries for the next sort of months, and give them the, the gave them the four sort of games, um, which were winnable, um, you know, to kind of get a fluid run going, so that when it comes to the games where we've got. You know, Rangers, Celtic, Hearts, Livingston, um, all close together. The team's kind of a bit more settled. Whereas now, we're even further away from knowing what a strongest eleven is. Gav, how much has Neil Lennon and the Coingate incident at Tynecastle derailed things a little bit? You know, Gary Parker took over media duties again after the game. And do you think there's just a little bit of a distraction around the club at the moment? Potentially. Um, I mean, obviously that. Neil Lennon be the best one to answer that question but I can see it being I think he did come out and say you know it's made him reconsider things mm. and I could see him you know if I was to go through something as horrible as that then um, obviously with the coin and the things that were spray-painted outside that you know I could understand why he'd maybe fall out of love a bit if it was Scottish football and think you know what punditry is a lot easier I wouldn't have to go through this sort of thing. So maybe that's on his mind and maybe that's sort of playing on him. I don't know. Um, I'm sure if, you, if he was asked that, he'd say, no, no, I'm giving 100% and all that. It has been since then that we've kind of um, gone off the ball. Because, I mean, even though the week before that we were going to be by Celtic, we've, we put on a really good performance yeah. and we scored two great goals. And, um, OK, well, defending wasn't great that day, but, you know, Celtic have been on fire um, since the St. Johnson game, really. But it's been after that that we've just really went off the ball and that was, like say, Coingate. So are the two related? Potentially, yeah. Mm. Um, and it's just it's one end for the difficult run of games that we've got coming up. I think Kilmarnock are the best team in the league off the ball, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. I so think they, that makes total sense. So they, they defend, it's always positional, it's always zonal. Everyone knows their role. You can see very clearly when they get the ball that players know exactly when to go and when to stay and they create little triangles to keep the passing going. Their first touch takes them somewhere to play inside. It sounds very basic, mm-hmm. but those are the basics. They're doing them very well. Killy were winning the midfield, mm-hmm. so they always had control of the midfield and they were playing it out wide. And then you had Jones, who was absolutely terrorising the defender he's running up against. Um, Brophy is electric cut, cutting in and just knows exactly when to time his runs and get in behind you look at the way Clark set them up there and it's exactly how a professional looking team should be and they are absolutely good for third place just now yeah I, I would totally agree with that I mean I, I wouldn't count them off second at the moment if they continue the way that they are there's no reason why why they couldn't they've had their, their problems they had Jordan Jones out with suspension after his dive um, and that retrospective action that happened to him mm. they've had injuries to Brophy and uh, Stewart so they brought in Chris Boyd who did fine but now that they've got Brophy and Greg Stewart back you know Greg Stewart had a great game a really good game 
that was that really good bit of skill that he did. Oh. I didn't actually know he was capable of that, to be honest. Amazing. It shows that there's there's a lot of excitement at Rugby Park. Yeah, I mean, when you look at Kelly, we know they can take points off Celtic and Rangers, unlike Aberdeen, oh, when we're talking what? about them challenging as the second best team. <laughs> what do you mean like that? <laughs> Kelly, Kelly will take points Kelly, off Rangers this year. Kelly do more against the teams sitting at the top of the table than the likes of Aberdeen, who have been classed as the second best team in Scotland for so long. They're not classed by a committee. They would finish (laughs) second in the league. That's why. So I think it is unfair to say that Kelly could be the best third place team when, okay, look at the table just now. There's one point in it between Celtic Rangers, then one point between Rangers and Kelly. It's so tight at the top just now that it would be doing them a disservice to split them and say Celtic and Rangers and then Kilmarnock. Kelly are up with it. And the reason I think they're they're good for that is because when you play that kind of positional positional play and you're um, very solid, but you have players who can attack and create, it means that other teams have to be... They, they can't, they can't counter-attack you because of the way Kelly are set up, so it means they can't be hit like that. And it means that everything you're doing is controlled. So there's no man-to-man marking where you can lose one man and you're suddenly you're losing. It's that everyone has a job and a zone to mark. And it means that there's no real way for teams to get through. And I absolutely think Killy are the most likely to get points of Celtic and Rangers because if you play that positional kind of game, like the best teams in the world play like that, that kind of high-level mm. thing, but it takes ages to learn it. It's just very impressive that Killy's players are doing it so well so quickly. Let's go around the grounds now and it's Urman Neil White with the roundup of the action in the Championship League 1 and 2. Thanks guys. Never mind the performance of the weekend. Under the Friday night lights of Tanadice, Air United and their ace Lawrence Shanklin gave us the performance of the season in the Championship. Here's the setup. Dundee United had not lost since Robbie Nielsen took over from Shabalazlo. Air United had drawn consecutive home games. A United win would bring the two teams level at the top of the table. Shankland had scored in only one of his previous five league games. Then this happened. Shankland scores four in a 5-0 win. Air remained two points clear at the top. Shankland moves on to 26, 26 goals for the season. And it looks like Ayr's promotion push may well depend on what happens next month when the transfer window opens. And things almost got even better for Ayr on Saturday. Aloha was seconds from holding out for 0-0 against second place Ross County. But Keith Watson headed in at the death to keep County in touch at the top. And that goal was just as significant at the bottom of the table. Partick Thistle go bottom after Stephen Doby's 29th, 29th goal of the season sunk them at Queen of the South. Thistle are on 10 points, Aloha are on 11, in between them also on 11, and off the bottom for the first time all season, Falkirk. And how's this for a coupon buster? Inverness, Cali Thistle were unbeaten in 25 games across nine months of league football. Falkirk had won twice all season and were beaten by Stennis Muir in the Scottish Cup last time out. And yet, Falkirk nabbed a 3-2 win in the dying moments of the game after a Zach Rodden double had set the table for them. And Dunfermline are back in the mix for the playoffs after a 3-0 win at home to Morton. League One, our growth still unbeaten and 10 points clear at the top after a 5-2 win over Stennis Muir, who are four points adrift at the bottom. 
Dumbarton beat Brecon 4-1 to swap places. Brecon are now in the relegation playoff spot. Dumbarton one point ahead of them and the rematch might be interesting. Both teams are booked on the same flight to Dublin for their Christmas nights out. Hmm. In League 2, two points separate top two Edinburgh City and Peterhead, both won at home and move further clear of Clyde, despite their comeback from 3-0 down at halftime to draw 3-3 with Berwick Rangers. And finally, a shout out to Sterling Albion, who had averaged less than a goal a game before the weekend. They beat Elgin 5-2 at fourth bank. Two for Darren Smith in his first start of the season after injury. And that's your report this week. Yes, Shankland and Air United might be on fire at the top of the championship, but Ross County are keeping the honest men honest. We're joined now by Kenny McLennan, the supporter liaison officer at Ross County. Kenny, Stuart Kettlewell and Stephen Ferguson have been co-managers since March. They're still making it work. They haven't divorced yet. And it was a difficult season last year. You know, bottom of the Premiership, Owen Coyle left in March. They've definitely restored the feel-good factor, haven't they? Absolutely, absolutely they have. Um, I mean, they're doing a brilliant job. Um, most of the supporters that you speak to, um, we feel like we've got our football club back. Um, the guys are so down to earth. Um, you know, you bump into them on match day or whatever, they talk to everybody, they make themselves available for anything that the club, you know, wants to do with regards to supporters, kids. Um, you know, they're involved at every level of the, 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 the football club and they're two guys that love living up here um, and they also love working for the club. And, you know, when when they were given, when we were told that you know, there's a chance that they were going to get the job, I think any supporter you spoke to would have said, you know, give it to them. But in terms of uh, what they actually do with the team and on the pitch, how does it work for yeah. co-managers? So is one default to the other or what do they do? Well, I think if you if you, if you watch match days and, and you're and you're in the stadium, if you actually look, it's very much Stuart that's on the on the touchline, um, and Fergie's arms folded at the back, giving him a hard time. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, but no, no, that's not true. I mean, the two of them, the two of them have worked together for years. They've got a brilliant relationship, and they're both really, really nice guys. You know, we had a a meet the gaffers um, session earlier in the year. Um, and you know, it was a chance for the supporters to come in and actually sit down and actually talk to them and um, field a lot of questions and stuff like that. And they're just they're just superb to, to listen to, you know. Um, they're they're great. And the fact that you know Richie Britton, I think people forget that side of it as well. Richard Britton's taken over from Stuart with regards to 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 the you know the young team, you know. So Richie's there on match days as well, helping out with coaching and stuff like that, and he's involved throughout the club as well with the youngsters and it's a really good setup at Ross County you know and it's it's something that um, you know I don't know if it would work at every club but these guys love living up here they love working here they're very you know they're very much a part of the club if you can't get footballers are going to respond to guys like that who are just working every you know hard working everyday guys then then what hope have you got you know Kenny, we were talking, we had Terry Butcher on the show last week um, and we, mm-hmm. we were speaking to him about the rivalry between Ross County and Inverness uh, sure. and it's yeah. Inverness legend Billy McKay that seems to be banging in the goals for Ross County now. 
<laughs> How good is that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Love it, Kenny. Love it. But, you know, no, but I mean, seriously, you know, the, the, the two guys that we've obviously been given 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 uh, contracts, like Ross Draper and Billy, have been given contracts at Ross County. And yeah, you know, if you're a Cali fan, you'd be saying, what's that all about? But at the end of the day, the guys the guys wanted, wanted first team football and they wanted, they wanted to play at a higher level. Yes, we've dropped down. But I'll be honest with you, championship football for me um, as a Ross County fan and a supporter liaison officer and the people that I'm speaking to on match days and stuff, you know, they're, they're buzzing about the type of football they're watching in this league. You know, it's an open league. Anybody can be anybody. That top league needs restructured. I'm sorry, but that as a product is, it's hard its day. It needs to be looked at. You could easily make that league 16 teams. You mean easily. mixing mixing the Premiership and the Championship together? Well, absolutely. You could easily look at that, and you know, you, if nothing else, it would stop the old firm accumulating the amount of points that they're able able to accumulate by playing teams four times and thumping them. If you look at it now with Steve Clark at Kilmarnock and the fact that he's doing so well, that top six is kind of closed off. You know, it's very difficult for the bottom teams to be. So, what 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 are they doing? They're basically fighting for seventh place. I think you could easily fire another four teams in there and, and and have a really, really good competitive league. You should bang that drum, I think. Speaking of which <laughs> Are we right in saying oh, somebody knows me. <laughs> are we right in saying you used to be the drummer at Dingwall? Yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah, for, for, for a number of years, um banging a big drum following <laughs> Ross County around and uh, you know, making a lot of noise and annoying a lot of people. <laughs> You're not but, annoying um, us, Kenny. Yeah, at the moment, it only comes out when we're in trouble. <laughs> um, but yeah, we are we are trying to to encourage um, you know an atmosphere at the, at the the Global Energy Stadium. Um, but you know um, the Highlands Highlands is, is quite a reserved place, you know, so it's quite difficult because you've got to be very careful. You've got varying ages and stuff like that to try and you know you don't want to, you know a big drummer standing next to somebody that's got hearing aids and stuff you know <laughs> so you have to be very careful what you're doing with regards to generating an atmosphere as well you could be very yeah. conscious of the people that are around you as well but um yeah it's a football match and i would love nothing more than to see the jlm bouncing again but i think if you're going to do that you need to rip the seats out get it back to safe standing and uh, get 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 some terracing back as well to some of these grounds and actually get people generating a proper atmosphere and really sort of, you know, get some noise back at some of these stadiums. So I'd like to say that I'm dressed in camo right now. I did think it would have been a good idea if we all came in camo today. We couldn't see each other. but Yeah, exactly. It would be difficult to talk to each other. Um, but I think that leads us on perfectly to talk about Partick Thistle being kidnapped by the SES last week. <laughs> Um, There's a line you never thought you'd say. Yeah, I think Gary Caldwell was uh, trying to uh, bring his players together. Create uh, some camaraderie. Yeah, um, you know, second bottom of the championship. They need to kind of find some togetherness. See what it's like um, for, for real people to work hard. Yeah, so they, they haven't... They haven't Footballers, you Ga- don't know what it's like. Yeah, Gary Caldwell hasn't won any of his games since he came in. So he put together a team-building exercise. So they went to an army day. And they did all the team building thing. They carried logs together. They communicated. Everything was nice and cozy because army is cozy. And presumably and at the end they thought he would go, and that's how you play a diamond shape. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure and that's... Wax on, wax off. So then Carry they, the logs up and down the line. <laughs> they all think it was all done and dusty. That was a good laugh, happy days. And then 
bags over their head. They get shoved into a van and they're whisked off somewhere down up Bermuda. <laughs> into what? In total darkness. Yeah. I don't know how true this is, and I really should, as a you know, we should as our duty as journalists, make sure this is true. But uh, there's rumours that maybe Caldwell didn't know that this part, this was part of it. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the thing is, there's there's some of the quotes, and they're amazing. Chris Doolin's come out and said, uh, Bryce and Tambway got out and ran away, but it took four SAS to put him down. <laughs> right? That's good. Jack Storer was crying at one point. <laughs> Looking back, I thought it was very worthwhile and a lot of character building and skills we can take to the pitch. Yeah. So the players, the players are crying. <laughs> the players didn't know about this, this part of it. I think this is I hope he did. I mean, he could well have done. I mean, well, if he's sitting there crying, <laughs> rocking back and forth behind a yeah, tree, yeah. I don't think he knew about it. The centre has got is, PDSD in the middle of the this pitch. Is, amazing. Uh, in trouble. is there is there hidden camera evidence of this? Did they set up GoPros? Because I want to see them. It would have been it would have been good to see. That's that's for sure. But well, this um, is where the social media team are going wrong at Partick Thistle. Because if they had set up the GoPros, that sort of stuff goes viral. Yeah, what happens? Just a good little game. I want to see Tamway being chased by four SES <laughs> into, into the forest. You'll never take me. Well, well, after after all of that, after all of that, they lost on Saturday. Oh. One nil to Queen of the South. Shaking from what happened. Yeah, yeah. One nil though. Kel Stoner's waking up in the middle of the night and he's having the shakes. He's not thinking about Queen of the South. You're listening to the Totally Scottish Football Show with Andrew Slavin. Elsewhere in the Premiership, the good work done by St Mirren last weekend with that win over Hearts was undone by the 3-1 defeat at home to Hamilton in Paisley. Classic Hamilton guys, they always get a win when they need to. The weird thing is that all the goals, apart from the last one, we'll talk about that later, mm. the, all the goals and big chances came from set pieces. Yeah. So again, it's like, so St Mirren started the game and they were tapping the ball around, moving it well, they looked good, shape was nice. Again, exactly the same thing they did last week when they did well. Same thing was happening. Hamilton, they were another team who were much improved last week after international break. They are moving the ball around nicely as well. It was some nice football on show. Uh, players moving down the wings mostly, trying to get crosses in. And then... The set pieces, really poor marking. Again, man-to-man marking rather than zonal. People are getting in at the six-yard box rather than where they should be. It's a case of their experienced players actually standing up to the to the occasion. You know, I said a couple of weeks ago, I think when Hamilton played Celtic, I think Ziggy Gordon and Dougie Emery were at fault um, for Celtic's goals. Um, and they're, they're the guys who stepped up and got the goals in this game to kind of, you know, make it comfortable when these teams are so equal often what happens is it's decided by you know a counter-attack or a bit of luck or a set piece um, and they largely close each other out because they're very they're pretty equal these two teams and then uh, like I said they just have set pieces they don't get defended very well by the opposite team you can see you can point out the zones are not in and what happens but St Mirren have had problems with defending set pieces all season mm-hmm. and again it's something that if the players aren't responding and aren't taking responsibility from certain actions, then there's not much you can really do as a manager if you're coaching it all through yeah, the week and then yeah. they don't turn up in the day. Well, it was, it was James Keatings, wasn't it, who who got those, who, who took those set pieces and then bagged an absolute belter. What a goal! Yeah, yeah. what a strike! I. I've kind of I worked with James Keatons when he was at Celtic, mm-hmm. and I feel really sorry for such a promising young player to have gone through so many injury problems in his career. And I, every time he comes back, you think, "Is this the turning point?" And I would really like this to be the turning point for him. It's his, it's his third time at Hamilton yeah. now, isn't it? And he used to score goals like that for the Celtic youth team when I used to see him doing it week in, week out, multiple times in the one game. Goals like that—that's what he is capable of. So it was really nice to see him score a goal like that, and hopefully. This time, it is the comeback. Yeah, he, he was influential at Hibs getting promoted, I believe. 
he's got a habit of whenever his club get promoted from the championship, he then leaves that club and rejoins a club in the championship. He, uh, he keeps going back he, down. He keeps uh, relegating yeah. himself. He keeps relegating himself. He just really loves the championship, which is hopefully not a bad omen for Hamilton. A bit more fun down there, though, because you get to score more, I guess, and a bit of fun. Livingston scored and won for the first time in five matches as they saw off Motherwell 2-0 at Almondvale. Stephen Lawless and Craig Halkett allaying any fears that Livy could get dragged into the relegation scrap. Laura, you were at this game, weren't you? I was, yeah. And I think this could possibly go down after about 18 years of going to football games. This could be one of the worst games of football I've ever been at. <laughs> oh, those are strong words. It, it was not a fun Saturday afternoon. Yikes. Um, not a good day for either team, to be honest. Yes, Livy got the points. They're not an entertaining team to watch. Still did not offer much up front. It was a really bad day for Motherwell as well, considering especially after the win against Aberdeen last week, they just mm-hmm. undid everything that they did there with the 3-0 win. Mm-hmm. We're just not at it. They were absolutely nothing in the final third offering. We weren't keeping the ball, they were just punting it. Punting it, they weren't winning 50-50s. A lot of the players were just hiding. No creativity, no imagination. It was really quite dire. The problem is, clearly, that Chili D didn't play. (laughs) Which is maybe good for his own rapping career that he was not involved in that dire game of football. Did uh, Laura, did something else happen in the the Tony Macaroni before (laughs) kick-off? Was perhaps the stadium evacuated for a reason? Yeah, so there was a fire alarm um, about an hour before kickoff, and there we were all standing outside in the absolute pouring rain. You know, the rain cleared up for the game. But Glad you said pouring. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, um, quite suspiciously, the Levy players hadn't come out for quite a long time. So yeah, the Motherwell players just went on the bus and chilled there for a wee bit. But I mean, some of them are like half in their strips and half still in the training tops that they travelled in. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just a wee bit of a disruption before kick-off because no one really knew what was happening, what was the cause of it, no one knew when we were getting back into the grounds. If the game was being delayed, kick-off. They ended up not coming out for the pre-match warm-up until about 25 past two. And at this point, we're thinking this surely is going to just unofficially be pushed back five, ten minutes. And then you're standing outside the dressing rooms um, waiting for the players to come out. And it was four minutes to three. They just went into the dressing room at this point from the warm up. And right away, the ref and the linesman are going up knocking on the door. So they had absolutely no time to regroup once they went back into the dressing room again. So it was already rushed at that point. Not sure if that really had much effect on the players. I don't think they can really blame the poor performance on that but it could something that creeps into the mentality so why was it evacuated so apparently somebody was um smoking in the toilets a player <laughs> a ciggy and levy that's I, what i, I said have, i top. have not heard that officially that is just something that i've heard people talking about online that's what Connie mclaughlin was saying on um bt sports score on saturday well the dan must have been on show to to oversee what will be his next managerial post probably motherwell more likely than livingston why because I'd imagine that they'll keep Gary Holt longer than Motherwell will keep Stephen Robinson. Do you think Stephen Robinson's under a lot of pressure right now? There's all these teams that are in the bottom half and they're going to be fine some weeks and fine not. And eventually they'll have a run of five in a row, six in a row where they don't. And then the manager gets binned. That's what always happens. Well, who, who do you think is more capable of going on a run at the moment out of Livingston, Motherwell, St Mirren and Hamilton? When you look at the Motherwell fixtures coming up, it's difficult for them. They've got Celtic twice before Christmas. They've got Hearts as well. At Tynecastle, 
Well, Mother will have Celtic coming up, don't they? Yeah. Yeah. This, this is a really this week. This is a really tough Wednesday. one for them. Mm-hmm. Um, take them on twice before Christmas. Um, it's difficult. They're they're really looking to that St. Johnson game now, mid December, as the key game they have to get points from to keep momentum going, to keep spirits high, to keep Robinson the, the pressure off his shoulders. So that's a very difficult run for him. Celtic at home, very very difficult. Celtic just off the back of a cup win, so maybe they'll take their foot off the gas. They might rest some players. Obviously, Kilmarnock host Livingston um, on Wednesday, so that's going to be a tough game for Gary Holt's side. Well, it looks like Kelly might actually be able to do what Aberdeen have done in recent seasons and push the top, well, first if not the top two, um, top three, top four, top five, six. And he'll be doing that with his team. <laughs> they, they look good. Uh, what are you going to say? Like, Livy um, are, are decent enough. It, when they get their chances from set pieces. They're very physical, but they can play when they need to. Kelly are really well organised and look tidy, like we've been saying, so... I think Kelly really can keep that up. It could be a tight one. Under two and a half goals. Hibs possibly have a good chance when they take on St Mirren in Edinburgh. Hibs desperate. Just desperate for a goal. Never mind a win now. I don't think you can call that one at this stage. Both quite temperamental. So I think that's a very, very difficult one to to call. St Mirren yet to get an away win. And very poor at defending set pieces. And uh, Hibs will be getting practised on that one. I'd imagine Hibs will um, find a bit of form there. I think Simeon will try and make it hard for them, but I don't know if they'll be able to hang on for as long as they want to. And then you've got Dundee hosting Hamilton. Delete. Hamilton, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Hamilton can go on and hopefully win another for themselves. Hey, I think actually, I mean, joking aside, because it is a joke, I really think that could be quite interesting to watch. It might mm-hmm. not be the best football you've ever seen, but I have no idea who's going to win it. Oh, I think Hamilton will I think, win it. I think, I think on form, you've got to say Hamilton, yeah. but, but Dundee are playing a bit more effective football. Hamilton also seem to just pull it out of the bag when they need to and against a team like Dundee they definitely need to pick up points because they want to create that gap mm-hmm. and really compound Dundee to the foot of the table. This is when they really need to turn it on and I think they will. We've talked about how difficult Hearts have had it recently. They're on the road to St Johnston. Not that big a journey, but... Um, it's another it's tough another, task, Andrew. I know, we've gone through these fixtures. There's so many that you can't call. That's right, St Johnson have lined up well these times. That, that's got draw written all over it. I think so too. St Johnson make that difficult for Hearts. Hearts can't score at the moment, so they're going to have to find a way to do it. But is it going to be against St Johnson? Well, who knows? Nothing each. Who knows? But I think the standout from midweek is definitely Rangers-Aberdeen. That's correct. Aberdeen suffering from Sunday. Bad in Glasgow. Rangers rising to the top of the league. Also maybe worth mentioning when Aberdeen put out their kind of statement tweet last night about Gary McKay-Steven. Um, they quoted Dermot McKinnon saying, OK, he won't play on Wednesday, but he might be back at the weekend. I thought that yeah. was really quite... Um... I agree. I, I, I think McInnes was just kind of saying stuff without having really thought it through because obviously these head injuries is really important. There's a lot of chat going on just now, especially in England with the PFA, like Gordon yeah. Taylor. Telegraph's got a big focus on um, this whole situation. Chris Sutton was talking about it mm-hmm. recently as well. And hopefully, well, I mean, the medics will say, well, they can't play because it's a week you can't play by football law, mm-hmm. yeah. which is... As important as real law. Yeah, I mean, I'm hoping he's just saying it in a very throwy comment of he's fine and he'll be back soon without mm. really putting a date on it because, I mean, as we were saying earlier, he, he was out cold and right. you wouldn't want someone to rush back. On to the game, though. I mean, this is a this is a huge fixture for both teams. Yeah, and I can imagine how much Gerard wants to get one over, especially after the uh, we had more class and Aberdeen quotes after they yeah, got drawn yep, nil. Yep. One, one. And Rangers battered Aberdeen in the first game of the season, absolutely destroyed them. 
I can't see anything else in this one either. Rangers form at home right now. Aberdeen losing the, the cup final as well. The one weakness they've got maybe is Haldy at left back at the moment and you'd maybe focus on the right, but McGinn's not quite at it. So I think the two could... I'd imagine Rangers are the favourites. I think Rangers will, damage be, to them. Rangers will be buoyed by the fact that Borna Barisic is back. He played for the reserves. Oh, right. Yeah, so he might be available on Wednesday. That's uh, goals written all over it. Yeah, hopefully it'll be a good game. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next Monday when it's bottom versus top, Dundee versus Rangers. You've been listening to the Totally Scottish Football Show, a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, email sales at muddykneesmedia.com and be sure to check out our other football shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Audio Boom, and everywhere else you get your audio on demand. Mm-hmm.